Gossip Nista here, your one and only source into the real lives of New Yorkers and what it's like to live in New York City. So is it all glitz and glamour? Where do you start? What should you know? And who am I? I'll tell you everything you need to know and you'll thank me for it. XOXO, Gossip Nista. Hey everyone, on today's show, we're helping you find love and hopefully sustain it. Our guest who comes from a psychology background is dating and relationship expert Eunice Hong, CEO and founder of The Art of Dating NYC. We'll dive into her New York story, creation of her business, dating tips for you, whether you live in New York or not, discuss tools for a fulfilling relationship, as well as how to manage conflict, and any further recommendations that can help elevate your art of dating. Hi, Eunice. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Marianne. I'm really excited for our conversation. Me too. Happy to have you. So much to discuss. But place I like to start off first with my guest is finding out about their New York story, as this is a New York-related podcast. So tell us, Eunice, are you originally from New York? How did you land in New York? Sure, sure. Well, I grew up in Boston, in the suburb of Boston, in a pretty quiet and sheltered community. Mm -hmm. And uh, even when I was young, I always knew that I belonged in the city. Don't ask me why. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, but you have to answer why. Why? (laughs) I, I didn't know at the time. It wasn't an informed decision. I just uh, I belong in the city. I I belong in a big place. I have big dreams. Yes. And so the naive, you know, uh, person that I was at the age of 17, 18, uh, I parked, uh to New York for college. And I actually have a funny story. So yeah. before we were deciding where I wanted to attend college, mm-hmm. I had applied to a lot of schools in New York. And mm-hmm. uh, my good friend, who's still a very good friend of mine, Jean and I, took ourselves on the Greyhound bus to visit New York. We're both from Boston. We thought, you know what, let's check it out before we commit to attending school in New York. Mm-hmm. And then to Port Authority. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Port Authority. It's yeah. one of the favorite places in New York City for most no. people, right? It's the busiest. It's mm-hmm. the busiest. It's a little bit grimy. And let me tell you, back then, which was many years ago, it was even worse. Oh, wow. So, we land into Port Authority on a bus, these two 18-year-old girls trying to, you know, think that we're, we're big adults now. And yeah. the smell is just pungent. There are homeless people everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 uh, the noise is loud. There's just so much going on. And I immediately think, I've arrived at home. And my friend oh, I love that. thinks, I, I hate New York already. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. You kind of gave me goosebumps when you said that. That's awesome. I, I like to hear that. That's how you felt. So go on, please. Yeah. So um, so I ended up uh, deciding to attend college. I went to Barnard College, which is an all-women's arm of Columbia University. And I also attended graduate school at New York University. So I guess you could say that I'm a New Yorker now. I've been yeah. here you, you you officially are. Uh, it takes a 10-year mark. I, I wish it was like a lot less for my sake, but <laughs> yes, you definitely are New Yorker. So what has your overall experience in, in New York been? Well, my experience has changed over the years. Um, but, uh, you know, New York is, I, there's no other place like it in the world. I know I'm biased, but I'm also honest, like to say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's it just New York City has everything, right? It's everything is open twenty four seven. 
It's fiercely intense. It's fiercely competitive. You know, there's a saying, and it resonates with me. If you make it in New York, you'll make it anywhere. Mm, and that kind of yeah. captures how I feel about it. I can't tell you how many times that quote has come up during, um, you know, the journey of this podcast. And I, I would say that's a motto for sure of this podcast. So oh, I'm good. glad to hear it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that other people are sharing that sentiment. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, it's it has this, like every, every love story, it has this good and the bad. And I've decided many years ago to accept the good and kind of focus on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that um, I think are helpful when you're figuring out navigating New York or a place like New York is that um, you have to kind of, it's helpful to know who you are because it's very easy mm-hmm. to be distracted. It's very easy to get pulled into different things. And, you know, but one of some of the things I do like about it, are this, there's so much diversity in people and thought and discipline. There's so many different exposures and interests. I mean, it's, you know, it has the best cultural elements in New York City, mm-hmm. such as the Met, the MoMA museums, you know, to concerts at the Barclays Center. Um, so all in all, you know, my experience in New York has been great because I, I really choose to kind of focus on the good. But the things that I don't love as much about yeah. it are kind of the grime of the you know, Everyone has to deal with public transportation and the subway system here, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, which are very, you know, very easily accessible. But we do end up in subways with millions of other people who are commuting in and out of New York City every day. And so, you know, sometimes during the really sweltering hot summer months, yeah. you're literally packed in there like sardines and there's other people's sweat dripping down on you. Now, that's- no joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know. I experienced that coming into the city this summer and I'm just like, wow. But on another note, as you're pointing this out, I'm also like, you're in such tight proximity in New York. How... Yeah. Can you not meet someone, right? Like, yes, yes. So that's my other thought. I'm yes. sorry, but you were saying. Yes. So we'll, you just we'll like talk about that a little bit later on. You bring up mm-hmm. a really good point. So you know, you take the good with the bad. Those are, you know, the, so that's a little bit of a challenge sometimes. You know, it can after being here for several years, and I've been here for several decades now. It can okay. it can wear down on you the intensity of it, the competitiveness. But you just have to find a way to balance it all out and just find your own center in the midst of all the chaos. And that's helpful. So I've managed to, to uh, figure that out for myself over the years. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And now just kind of diving into the art of dating, NYC and the creation of it. How did you land upon that career? Well, as I always like to say, as with all great things, it's sometimes a surprise, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so the the creation really started in my childhood, and of course mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time. If you had told me even when I was in college, you know that I was going to become a relationship and dating coach or an expert, I would have laughed, right? And so with my parents, I mean, after spending thousands of dollars in education and, and so many hours of learning all different right. things, I never even thought that this profession I didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, my formative years really made an impression on me, as, as it does with many people. But day in day, my, um, you know, people interacting with people has always been at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I, uh, in my 20s, I was in relationships that with good people, but were not fulfilling. I didn't feel like I was getting my needs met. I, you know, mm-hmm. I was really replicating a lot of environment that was similar to kind of my childhood. Oh, and so okay. I did, yeah, I did some inner work. I listened yeah. to professionals. I really read up on it. I really wanted to kind of empower myself figure out what was going on and why I was making the choices I was making. Right. 
And as a result, I ended up, you know, having a very fruitful and enjoyable relationships. Along that journey, a lot of people came to me for years and years, you know, how, how is it that you're always finding people a great relationship? Uh-huh. And so the simple answer was this, and I was always happy to share my opinions, but the simple answer is because I worked on myself and I have a strategy, right? Wow. So it's not, Please share. Yeah. Yeah, we're in New York City. Like there's it's not because I'm so awesome. There's always some more people who are smarter than you, more successful than you, prettier than you. We're in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't it wasn't all that that I was so great. It was just that I had a strategy and I really took my power back. Right. And so from that moment on, there was a shift. Uh more recently, several years ago, a good friend of mine, and I give her a lot of credit for this, you know, she's uh super smart very attractive, life of the party, a very fun person, everything going for her about her relationships were a complete disaster. Not an uncommon story, by the way, in New York, right? <laughs> no, I'm sure not. <laughs> and, um, and she came to me, she said, I really want you guidance. Can you can you work with me? Help me. And I said, sure. You know, I'm always, I'm always want to encourage people who want to really improve on themselves and work on themselves. And mm-hmm. I love to help in any way. So I went to work with her and I give her so much credit. She really deep dove and did the inner work. And I worked with her every week for about four months. Mm-hmm. At the end of the four months uh, cycle, she was a completely different person. She actually is the one who really motivated me. She said, you know what? I don't understand why you're not doing this as a career. You're so good at it. You're so passionate about it. Everything you do is research based and data driven. Right. And, you know, it took me about a good six months to a year to, I was thinking about it every day, but quite frankly, I was very scared. I was, you know, who am I to start this? All this stuff, all this mm-hmm. negative talk that we tend to do when we're right. afraid of doing something. So I eventually got my act together, and that was—I gave her a lot of credit for kind of getting getting this career started for me. And that's how I landed at the art of dating. Wow, that is so awesome! How long ago was this, Eunice? This was about you know, about three or four years ago that this process started. Mm-hmm. So, so what are these services and and the benefits of? coming to an online, well, just in general, dating and relationship expert? Sure, sure. So my mission is to support and elevate women to live their best lives. And the best way they can do that, in my opinion, is through their relationship. And this is why. Um, Because I started out in finance, I'm very data-driven. Everything I do is Mm research-backed. And, you know, I love men too. I don't, I want to be clear here, but they don't need as much help as women, not because women need more help, but because men have certain advantages, right? By default being men, right? Yeah. So the thing is this, when our relationships, especially women are sound, our, our career is actually much better. There's been a lot of research to indicate that for women, right? Okay. Um, and again, I want to point out that I'm not saying that you need to be married or partnered up, partnered up to be, have a fulfilling or happy life. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. But if we're all honest, most people do want to find love. Most people do want companionship and intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my work is really for people who are interested in that. And so what, what I do is really intersection of psychology and coaching. And what that means is the psychology focuses on the past. Um, and so I deal with clients and talk a little bit about their formative experiences, the childhood experiences, which, by the way, get recycled over and over again in adulthood, mm-hmm. unless they're dealt with on some level, mm-hmm. um, to create a baseline, a benchmark. And then I take uh, that and we create an actionable step-by-step program so that we can work together from the present and the future to realize the goals that and the results that you seek in dating and relationships. 
Perfect. So you just summed it up. That's exactly what I was going to sum sum up in a sense. You 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 start with the inner workings of a person and any you know correlations you find in their past. Bring it together to their future and 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 creating an outline on on how to you know date more successfully and then just kind of put it out there to work. Yes, exactly. I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly right. But you did. <laughs> so with that note, uh, Eunice, what is it that you've learned most about dating? Um, and is there specific qualities one must have, you know, to to be good at this art of dating? Well, that's a little bit of a loaded question, but let it me is, try to unpack it for you. I put two in one, but <laughs> please do. I love it. So the thing is this, and this is the stuff that's going to be hard for a lot of people to hear, but there mm-hmm. is no magic quick fix to dating, right? There are strategies you can implement. And a lot of people out there, by the way, it, it, you know, I can give you quick strategies on how to text, how to respond. Those are easy things to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. unless we really align our strategies to what's going on internally, it's not a sustainable model. So mm-hmm. all to say that I found in my personal experience and also um, working with clients, and this is data driven as well, mm-hmm. the bottom line is this. The better you become, the better you'll attract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what it comes down to, right? So at every level of our relationship juncture and every relationship that we've had with different people, mm-hmm. we end up with people who are very similar to us in frequency and emotional residence, mm-hmm. right? So as I have worked on myself over the years in my 20s and whatnot and really realized what my personal blind spots were, what the patterns were that I was recycling over and over again without really understanding them, I was really getting into the same relationship with different people, thinking there were different relationships because there were different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And no. so, yeah. So I would say, you know what? If you work on yourself, um, that's probably the best way to make sure that you're attracting people that are aligned with you in every mm-hmm. way that are important. And um, you know, so that's really that's really the the, the bottom line. And any specific qualities one must have or is that just all yeah I would say you know it's really helpful to to be interested in self-awareness I think Mm -hmm. it's really uh, important to be invested in wanting a relationship relationships take time dating takes time it takes effort Mm -hmm. you know energy that it has to be a priority for it to manifest successfully but you know what I suggest with all my clients and the work part of the work that I do is um, I suggest everyone comes up, come up with three buckets, three categories of traits that are important to you. One, I call them the must-haves. Mm-hmm. So those are traits that you absolutely need in a potential partner for you to be even open to going on a date with someone. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next bucket is nice-to-haves. And those are, you know, they'd be awesome. It'd be really cool if he was six feet tall, but he doesn't have to be kind of thing, right? Yeah. And then deal breakers, which are if he possesses these traits, absolutely it's a no go, right? Mm-hmm. And so this very it's it's very important to do this exercise before you get into a relationship because you know when you're in a relationship, the emotions kind of play with you, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of become more flexible than you want it to be because you like somebody. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, so there aren't any specific characteristics of qualities but it's important for the person to know what your must-haves nice-to-haves and deal breakers are so that they'll how to vet your dates yeah now in terms of new york and be more specific to new york yeah. how competitive is dating in new york the dating scene 
everything in New York is competitive, including mm. dating. <laughs> like really? Okay. Like, at, like in the sense of. Sure. Mm. Sure. Let me unpack that for you a little mm-hmm. bit. So first of all, um, there are a lot more eligible single women looking to be in a relationship than men. Mm. So mm-hmm. because of the disproportional number, mm-hmm. it does make it a little bit more competitive for women. Okay. Right? In addition to that, many people come to New York to realize their dreams and to have a very successful career. So people are extremely career-driven here, yeah. right? They want to invest in their work, but they're not as willing to invest in their personal life. Mm. And so there's some asymmetry there as well. And, um, you know, I think that also with the advent of dating apps, coupled with, I think there are 8.5 million people who reside in New York City, mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. There's this mindset and tendency to think that there's always someone better around the corner, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure this mentality also exists in other parts of the country and the world, but I think it's predominantly more evident in a place like New York City. And so you know, I see that a lot of people go on dates with someone who, who might be a good you know, potential partner, mm-hmm. and they find one annoying trait that they focus on, and they're like, you know what, next, I'm going to move on quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of a lot of those things that do make New York City competitive. But the flip side is there's actually some advantages to being in a place like New York City for dating because you are with so many different potential people that you um, encounter the minute you leave your door to the time you get home at night. Mm-hmm. And then, like we mentioned, that you know, just being in such close proximities within, yeah. you know, subways and just neighborhoods and restaurants, like how can someone benefit? Sure. sure. So yes, you're exactly right. So what I like to say is um, I just mentioned from the moment you wake up and leave your apartment in New York city to the moment you get home, you're literally amongst thousands of potential date, potential friends, potential investors, potential your next job. Right. So you just have to engage with the world. I know we're in this, day and age where everybody's looking down on their phone mm-hmm. and not looking up. And that's a little bit of kind of the problem here. So, you know, for example, when I go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and I'm in line, there's tons mm-hmm. of people that I can be speaking to in front of me, behind me, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I go to a coffee joint. I can, it's so easy to make conversation here. And New Yorkers are very open mm-hmm. to that. They're always interested in meeting other people. And I mm-hmm. think they have a, maybe a bad reputation for that, but I think people here are very generally very nice and engaging. Right. Okay. And so, you know, I think, um, take advantage of those things. I like that. Yeah. Some of the ways you can do that is one, you have to look up from your phone. That's very important. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and for women, especially, you know, as simple as smiling at someone yes. is a cue to let them know that, Hey, I'm open to ha- having a conversation. You can approach. Me, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is non, you know, non-communicative body language. You want to let them know, you know, go out to, um, there's no really secret place. Like I, I play tennis, for example. You can join a tennis group, right? It's co-ed, great opportunity to meet people. Yeah. Um, whatever your interests may be, go to join a meetup group. Mm-hmm. There's, I promise you, you'll definitely learn something from other people. And uh, if you run, join a running group. Yeah. Go to the museums on the weekend, even by yourself and start talking to people. There's so many, this is a thing. There's so many other people in the same position who are also looking to make new friends or meet somebody new for various reasons. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And so you kind of right there gave some dating tips um, for the audience and, and, and also good places to meet people. What are some dating tips for successful online dating in New York? Sure. 
Sure. A mm-hmm. um, couple of things. I would say bef- before I talk specifically about those things, I just yeah. want to preface it by saying dating successfully, you know, it's really important to understand that these things take time. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to find your dream job in three months, right? right? Mm-hmm. For most of us anyway, for the yeah. 99.9% of us. Okay. okay. Yeah. You have, you have to put in the work, you have to network, a lot of things you have to do. And so don't expect to find your dream partner in three months either. You have to mm-hmm. really manage expectations, right? I think that's really important. A couple of the things is before you go into dating apps, maybe mm-hmm. maybe try to be open-minded about it. You know, some of the best packages in life often don't often look different than what we expected. Yeah. So we really do have to be flexible on what that looks like and be open-minded, right? And if you don't know, ask some of your closest friends, hey, what do you think it is that I'm always attracted to that's not working? Get some real feedback from people that you trust that know you very well, mm-hmm. right? Because so, they've um, seen you and your patterns and what you like and, you know, and can exactly. either guide you or steer you away from the bad patterns. Absolutely. And, and maybe perhaps they're a little bit more objective. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and then the third thing that I want to mention uh, before we talk about dating app mm-hmm. usage is to... If you want to be in a relationship, you have to make a relationship a priority. And by that, I mean, you have to invest in it. You have to want to spend time on it. You have to spend some time every week looking through, you know, going through dating apps, maybe going, making yourself, going out of your comfort zone, going to the neighborhood restaurant, grabbing a bite at the bar, talking to people, get comfortable with doing things a little bit out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I think those things are good mindset to go into. Um, Specifically with dating apps, I would say, you know, your profile and pictures are important. And ladies, for all the all the wonderful ladies out there listening, mm-hmm. men want to know that you're positive, caring, and kind. Those are the and warm. Those are the triggers that men are looking for when they're looking for somebody um, who can be a potentially long term partner. Hmm. Okay, they're specific. I like that. Yes, very very specific. Um, now, I would suggest all the photos be recent, not mm-hmm. today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's important to tell a narrative narrative of who you are with your photos and words. So instead of saying things like, I like to travel, put up a photo where, where, in, where you're in Italy or hiking somewhere, mm-hmm. right? You can kind of tell a narrative that way. Make it interesting. Have a close-up photo of your face. Listen, I know that might sound shallow, but that's what men are looking for. And I think you probably want the same in the other way around right. right you don't want an outdated photo from 20 years ago mm-hmm. you know you want somebody you want to know what they look like you want to know if they take care of themselves mm-hmm. you have um have a group shot have an action shot you want to tell a story mm-hmm. right so instead of just writing things like um you know i like to travel i like to eat blah 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 tell a story last week i read this amazing book that you know really intrigued me and this is what i like about it um Tell a narrative and make it interesting. And so keep it short. Um, and uh, so that's how you start. And then a couple of the general tips that I can give. Mm-hmm. When you start having conversations with somebody on a dating app and you're texting back and forth, don't have conversations with them for weeks at a time. Have three to five exchanges. If you're interested in meeting up, meet up quickly. Okay. There's no substitute for meeting someone in person. You can... People can literally become emotionally invested and think, oh, my gosh, I met my soulmate, my best friend, blah, blah, blah. They never meet in person. And then they finally meet. And they're like, OK, there's no chemistry here. Yeah, so there's no. There, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to get too invested in that. You want to make there's no substitute for meeting in person. 
And um, how, how do you push that meeting in person a, a little quick if, if yeah, something's dragging on? Yeah, I would say, you know what? Be direct. Men appreciate being direct. And also, you know, men are very intelligent. I know this, and mm-hmm. but they're simple, they're very simple at heart. And I mean that in a good way. It doesn't, it, they're not, you don't need to be a neurosurgeon to figure out mm-hmm. um, and, and communicate with men. You let them know, hey, really enjoying talking with you. Like to take this, you know, in person. Do you want to meet for coffee or a drink sometime? Mm-hmm. Right. So men, no one wants to feel rejected, especially men. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're very, you know, they have a lot of ego. They're sensitive, and right. so what we want to do as women is to kind of open that door for them and give them the end, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. let them take care of the rest. So I would suggest let them know that you're interested in meeting up in person, and just move that along, and then let them come back with you with the specifics. Right. Okay. Now. So Yes. Sorry. Um, I I'm having this visualization in my head in, in the sense mm-hmm. that um, you're, you're mentioning, you know, let's let's grab the coffee or, or let's grab mm-hmm. a drink. And, sure. you know, obviously, this is the first time you're meeting someone. And, and sometimes people just want to meet and see if there's a chemistry there before even, I guess, investing further uh, into mm-hmm. anything else. But I think um, something that that I want to ask is, you know, there's some people that want to have that whining and dining, right? That that expectation of like, you know, we're meeting for the first time, like, we should go to dinner, you should pick me up, we okay. should, you know, so and so. How often is that even an occurrence in New York? And should you even have those type of expectations? Okay, so this is the strategy and everyone mm-hmm. here is getting free free strategy and free coaching here. So okay. a couple of things. That's a great question. And I'm glad you asked. Um, this is what I, this is what I propose my clients to do. So mm-hmm. you set two days of a consistent time every week. Let's say for the sake of argument, Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? Mm-hmm. There's a block your dates on your calendar. Like you would block going to the gym or anything else that you do. Right. Mm-hmm. So say yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays, right after work, say six 30 to eight o'clock, you're now meeting potential dates for drink. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that you do, which is very helpful. One, you don't know if you're going to like this person or not in person, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to commit to a whole dinner because you don't want to end up spending five hours with somebody when you don't, when you can't wait to get out of there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, so what you do is this. You say, hey, you know, they'll propose drinks. You say Tuesday uh, at 630 is great. You know, what, what's the convenient place for you? Try to be accommodating, come up with a place, mm-hmm. and then... The day when you, the day of when you meet up with this person, this in advance during the day, you send a quick text saying, "I'm looking forward to meeting with you tonight." And by the way, I wanted to let you know I have to be somewhere by eight o'clock. I have mm-hmm. a dinner at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Right? So you do a couple of things. One, you're not investing your whole life on this. You're committing to one one hour for drinks. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. There are two things that work out well. One. The important thing is you have to let him know of this in advance of meeting up because if you do it in the middle, they're going to think you're just getting out of it because you're not liking him, right? Mm-hmm. So that says one, uh, one, you have a life, you have dinner plans. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Just say you have dinner right. plans. Okay? Mm-hmm. Two, you're only committing to an hour, so that an hour of your time is completely worth it if you do it a couple times a week to, mm-hmm. to try to find somebody you want to be in a relationship with. And three, if it goes well, you're leaving on a high note. Right. No True. one wants to be the last person to leave the party. You want to leave something with something more to come. Okay. Right? 
Mm-hmm. It's a win-win strategy for everybody. So that's what I would suggest um, how you approach that. Now, over as you advance, as you're dating people, mm-hmm. as you advance the date, then sure, you're going to convert that into dinner and everything else. But initially, I would suggest this approach. Okay, perfect. So given that, I would say this would be a more prevalent situation in a city, it's such a bustling mm-hmm. city like New York and mm-hmm. other places in the US or just in general, would you still Mm -hmm. recommend that same tip to kind of just meet up with them and and then take it from there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because this is the thing. Um, Again, there's no substitute for meeting in person. Mm -hmm. But you also don't want to, you know, it's good to get to know somebody well, right? And first dates are not the best predictor, right? So people are anxious, they're nervous, you know, something could have happened at work. So if you're kind of on the fence with somebody, you know, meet with them a couple of dates, I guess. Right. But I would, I would really deploy this strategy all around because then the, the the way to meet the person that you want to be in a relationship is, it's unfortunately to meet with a lot of people who you don't want to be in a relationship with, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means you have to go out on dates on a regular basis. Right. And so this is a good time-saving way to go out on a lot of you know, dates with new people for drinks here and there. Yeah. Just keep that moving until you land on somebody that you want to get to know better. No, hundred percent. And is there any deal breakers that, that people should be aware of during like a date? That's a good question. I guess that's up to the person yeah. and what they think um, is acceptable or what the expectations are. I would say, you know, one other thing from a kind of a safety standpoint, especially for women, is I would create a, a Google phone number mm-hmm. that you can use just for dating. Mm. Um, this way, you don't have to give a total stranger essentially your personal cell phone number, right. right? And you can just use Google phone number for your, you know. And then once you get to know somebody better, say, hey, you know what? This is what I did, and let them know this is my real phone number. They're yeah. gonna understand that. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I would suggest meet at, a, meet at a public place. You know, don't, I guess if somebody's inviting you over to their apartment on the first day, that was a definite no-no. Yes, yes. Um, if somebody wants to meet with you after 10 o'clock for the first time, that's definitely a no-no. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not looking for really a relationship at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of some? Um, deal breakers? I, I, I like that you suggested the Google number. I mean, them showing up late, like, I mean, super late, right? That that would be a deal breaker. I mean, but does that happen often in New York? That's a good one. That's a good one. So um, I'm one of the two punctual people in New York City I, mm-hmm. I, that I know. So I okay. guess it's not common. It's not common. How <laughs> late is okay is the question. Uh, well, yeah, I would say everyone has a 15-minute grace. Mm. And, you know, things happen. You get pulled into a meeting at work subway delays, things do happen. It's not so much that you're 15 minutes late. It's that you communicate that in advance. Right. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm stuck on a train. Be there as soon as I can. You have to be courteous. I think that says a lot about a person. You courteous know, and communication. Yes. yes. Another thing that I like to look for, and I'm sure other people share the sentiment, you know, how they, obviously on your first date, most people are going to be on their best behavior, right? Mm-hmm. I think how they treat um, bartenders, you know, waiters, service people is a very good indicator kind of how they treat people. Like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are small cues that you can pick up on as well. Perfect. Thanks for that. And now before we switch on over from just general online dating, is there any apps that you, you know, think are best suited specifically for New York or just in general? Yeah. So. You know, everybody has a 
different preference and it mm-hmm. really based, it's based on one's personality. Right. Um, you know, a lot of women like Bumble because they get to kind of control that narrative a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of my clients have liked Hinge, yeah. quick and kind of dirty in a good way, and you can, you know, it doesn't feel like Tinder as much. So mm-hmm. a lot of people like that. But what's I the suggest- Tinder? What's Tinder like? What's the? I guess. Well, I think you know. I know. I I know the data says according to Tinder, they say it's not really a hookup culture. But I kind of, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly, I'm sure you can meet you can meet people on Twitter that are looking for serious relationships. I'm not discounting that at all. I just would say that's not a place that I would suggest my clients to go if they're looking for a real partnership mm-hmm. and marriage, hopefully, right? Okay. So, you know what? It, what I would suggest is this: use one large um, app such as Match, right? Because mm-hmm. they do Match. By the way, owns ninety percent of all the other apps. Do they? they? Were, yeah, and they've been on this. They've been they've, they're one of the big first ones to come on to, into the marketplace. So, so what they have, what they offer, is volume. Right. They have a breadth of potential folks. Now, the upside is you have more at your disposal. The downside is you also have to sift through some not so great people. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of volume there. So what I do, what I suggest is you know take on a big one like Match, and also couple that with a more uh, less maintenance, easy one like Hinge. Right. Kind of work it out and see what works for you. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. I um, have some friends who actually, I mean, about two friends that met the love of their lives through Match, married with kids. And like, I couldn't imagine anyone else in this world for them than their partners today. And so that, you know, is amazing to kind of just share with people that you can find your person. And I I didn't find my husband online, but that's what drives me to, to want to continue sharing all this information with others of about how to find love. Yes. Yes. I, I know so many happily married couples who met on match, uh, you know, similar mm-hmm. dating as well. So I'm a huge proponent of that. And I think the latest data I checked was almost 38 or about, about 38% of all marriages today come from online dating matches. So, I mean, I want to ask this one last question that is a complete, just, I think, stereotype to New York or or something that women who are not from New York or coming into New York think it's going to be. And it could be, <laughs> I mean, if it's a hookup culture, or I don't even know how to define this. Is, is life in New York really like the television show Sex in the City? That's so funny you ask. <laughs> um, that, that was a great show. I enjoyed it when it was on. You know, it kind of... Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. I think we all, I think part of the reason, in my opinion, why the show resonated so 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 much with so many people is because we can all relate to each of the characters' mm-hmm. kind of struggles, yeah, uh, challenges in finding love, right? Right. So, in a sense, love is love. We all have the same issues. We all have. We all want to find our soulmate, or what you know, however you define that. Mm-hmm. So, I think there's some interesting parallels going on, and I would say today. You know, the, the the similarities are this. Mm-hmm. The women in Sex and the City, the characters, realize at the end of the day, 
that they really have to love themselves first before they can find real love, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's still a common theme, you know? Yeah. And uh, the company you keep, the girlfriends and everything, right? The company you keep really matters. And that's especially true for a place like New York. If you want to elevate your life in your personal relationships in your career, it's really important. You know, there's so much data that says the, comp- the five closest people you spend the most time with will either get you to your next level or actually take you back, right? Yeah. So keep is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know if dating apps were really around when Sex and the City right. aired. And so, Agreed. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, so they met everyone pretty much in real life. And so, you know, we have that um, variable, which is new for us. But right. I think to really get results, it's good to kind of use both strategies, real life strategies and introductions, friends of friends, meeting people, strangers and Trader Joe's, you know, mm-hmm. or hopefully fine, yeah. as well as using dating apps. I think there's a combination of things that we can do to maximize results. Perfect. That's a great roundup. Now, you know, diving a little bit more so into tools for successfully managing you know fulfilling relationships and we can also touch on uh, conflict uh, how how does one go about that sure sure so um the couple of things that i you know that is helpful to to keep in mind great relationships are built mm-hmm. they are built mm-hmm. people there are there are many people out there who are lucky to find their you know good counterparts and partnerships but even then, you have to continually cultivate it. You have to practice of being a good partner. Right. It's not something that happens to us overnight. Just just as you, know, you get your dream job, you land your dream job, which took decades to get to, you're not going to say, hey, I finally arrived. I'm just going to coast now. I'm not going to do my work on time. I'm not going to try to get along with my boss and my colleagues. Mm-hmm. That's not the right approach, right? right? So the same with relationships. Even if you have a wonderful partner, Continual effort, engagement, connection is really important, mm-hmm. especially in a place like New York where people are very career-driven and they're pulled in so many different directions. So you really have to make it a priority. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. I would say another thing, and this took me some time to understand, and I understand it so well now, is that your partner does not feel, think, see, or experience the same event as you. They yeah. have a complete completely different perspective mm-hmm. because it, it makes sense, right? I mean, their, their, their experiences, their formative experiences, their adulting experiences, the way they were raised, everything is completely different from you. Right. And so they're going to have specific ways that they see the world. It's going to be colored and, and tinted to their own biases, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so oftentimes, you know, I've certainly been in um, arguments and disagreements in the past where you, I'm so adamant about the other person trying to see things my way. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that doesn't work. That doesn't work. So, so um, those are just general things to keep in mind. And you know, when it comes to conflict management, that is extremely, extremely important. Mm-hmm. And I want everyone to understand that conflict is normal. That disagreements are normal. How can it? How can they not be normal? If you think about it, you have two different, completely different people coming together, okay. trying to negotiate this day-to-day stuff that they've never done before with that person. So, right? so yeah, a hundred percent. Now, in regards to okay, so you're having a fulfilling relationship, and you gave us some tips on how to do that. And you know, you're say a couple months in, a year in. I mean, should conflict management even be? conversation um early in early stages when does conflict management come into play sure so i would say 
the, the best way to really elevate your relationship um, strategy and have management skills mm-hmm. and negotiating is as you go through the experiences because you don't necessarily it's nice to have conversations after the fact but the first time you want to understand how the other person actually fights mm-hmm. you want to you want to have some experiences that you can refer back to mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's hard to it's hard to say hey let's try it this way if you don't actually know what their baseline is or how they see the world or how they tend to do things right right so the I think the very important thing is, you know, don't anticipate conflict and say, hey, we need to have a conversation on conflict management before we have a conflict, because I think that getting ahead of things a little bit. But when you do have a disagreement, however small or big, then start to really talk about it, unpack afterwards when you're calm um, and maybe have some space, say, hey, I want to talk about this. And this is how I felt on my end. And this is, you know, let's. You can have real conversations about it, and I think that's a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, disagreements are very normal, and it's not the number of disagreements that you have disagreements that actually is indicative of enduring long-term successful relationships. Mm-hmm. It's actually how you come to resolve them, mm-hmm. how you manage the resolution of it. Mm-hmm. So, so there are a couple of things that are very important um, when it comes to, I think, uh, 69% of all uh, conflicts never resolve. Wow. So they will never resolve. Okay. They're the same issues that come up over and over again. That's a so, huge percentage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So but the, the, it's helpful to be with somebody who has um, different ways of being and doing and values that really don't misalign with your core values because, you know, those aren't something that you can really compromise on your core values, mm-hmm. right? So you know, it's, that's helpful, but also you want to, um, you want to create a win-win situation. And by that mean, by, by that, I mean, when you have disagreements, you have, it's really helpful to have a we approach. It's not me against you. It's us against whatever the problem is. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And that little shift can make all the difference, uh, in the world. Um, so, you know, and I say, you have to negotiate a lot of things in successful relationships. So negotiating is going back and forth and making sure the other person's highest needs are intact, right? And your highest needs are intact, right? which is a little bit different from compromise. Compromise, not so sure, because compromise is neither of them gets what they want, and they're just landing in the middle, just to land in the middle, right? So essentially, no one's really happy, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so conflict is okay. Agreement is okay. It's really helpful when you're in the... And when you're in the midst of this to use I statements. So I feel I felt hurt when you um, took me to the party and didn't check in with check in with me and left me there, to, you know, with strangers for two hours mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. So using I statements is very helpful mm-hmm. because instead of putting the blame on the person and attacking the person, you're actually talking about your feelings. Right. Right. And so when you talk about your feelings, no one can take away from your feelings. Your feelings are your feelings, whether somebody agrees with them or not, they're your feelings, Mm -hmm. right? So those are good ways to have discussions about it. Um, And uh, also, if you do find yourself having recurring issues, because everyone Mm -hmm. will, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. You got to let them go. If they're not deal breakers for you, if they're deal breakers, and that's a whole nother thing, then you have to realize, you have to figure out for yourself, hey, is this something I can live with for the rest of my Mm -hmm. life? If not, have some real hard conversations with yourself right yeah but if they're not deal breakers you just have to let them go i like that you gotta let them yeah go. yeah so 
there's a lot of forgiveness in relationships. There's a lot of, it's helpful to have a short memory. So you're not, mm-hmm. you know, when you fight also don't bring the kitchen sink into all the arguments, stick to one issue at a time. Or too bad. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know there's a popular saying like, don't ever go to bed angry. Mm-hmm. You know what? You can't resolve all issues before you go to bed. Yeah. You just can't. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you say, Hey, you leave it, you, Leave it on a good note. Say, hey, I want to have a com- I want to continue to have this conversation tonight, but let's go to bed. Let's get, you know, fresh start tomorrow and we revisit, you know, and then come up with a time that you want to revisit um, the next time. Yeah. Right? But that's so, where the short memory part comes to, where you can just forget about it and it's fine. No. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes having a little bit of space is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then another thing with conflict management is when you feel, when you feel yourself getting really heated. Right? right with flooded is the term and when you feel you know you, you're like oh my gosh I can't even think how, you know how did he how, I can't believe he said that to me and you start to get really angry just try to and this all takes practice by the way no one's going to perfect this overnight mm-hmm. just practice to, say to say to your partner hey I feel like I'm getting really angry right now and I'm not going to have a productive conversation with you, with you right I'd like to take 15 to 20 minute break and can we circle back in the kitchen at 5 30 yeah. or something like that mm-hmm. right then go to your respective spaces and this is the key you don't want to be you don't want to be so angry you know keep thinking about this issue you actually want to distract yourself so a couple of things you can do if you shift your physiological state you'll shift your emotional state mm-hmm. so you can do something like jumping jacks mm-hmm. for like 40 seconds mm-hmm. to get your body clear right you can listen to music really loudly and dance you can play Scrabble for a little bit, just something to get your mind off of the argument. It calms you down physiologically mm-hmm. because as you know, when you're heightened physiologically, you, you're, you're not thinking clearly, right? right? Wow. So that's good to do. Now, the key is this. You don't want to storm out in the middle of a fight and never to come back to it because mm-hmm. then the, the other person's going to feel insecure. They're going to say, oh my gosh, this person, next time we fight, he's going to abandon me, right? right? So that's not good. So it's just having those kind of uh, conversations in place. Wow. Um, those are some good tips. I think that um, we can all practice. Those were amazing tips. You gave such a great roundup of, you know, conflict management skills that, that people can use in their everyday life and in relationships. And truly, I think you've given so much great information, Eunice. Is is there something that we may have missed in regards to some tips for the audience. I'd love to kind of, you know, continue just finding out if there's anything that you are reading yourselves or, or podcasts you recommend regarding the subject and art of dating. Sure, sure. So a couple of things that I, if you wouldn't mind, mm-hmm. I'll um, add for general sustainable, healthy relationships yes. is really important to become an expert on your partner. Okay. So as I, as we mentioned before, your partner reacts to things differently, feels things differently, experiences things differently. So it's really important, especially if you've been mm-hmm. together for a long time, you think, Oh, I already know how he's going to react. I already know what he's going to say. I know everything about my partner. Yeah. So shift that framework to get really curious about your partner. There's going to be something new. You mm-hmm. continue to learn about them until, you know, death do you part. So so exactly. when you don't understand something they're doing, instead of making judgments about it, say, hey, I noticed you did that. You haven't done that before. What is that about? Tell me about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. asking open-ended questions is very important for connection. Okay. Um, you know, what I like to do is 
you know, biweekly check-ins and what I call quarterly kind of couple retreats. So mm. biweekly or whatever your schedule allows. I know a lot of people travel for work and are busy, but definitely at least once a month, mm-hmm. check in, not right after work, but when you're kind of relaxed, maybe on the weekend after you've spent some time together, you know, and you're kind of in a good state. Mm-hmm. It's been okay. I want to check in with you and see how you're doing these days. Right. Do you feel supported by me this week? Hmm. You know, yeah, I like- what are some of the things that you, you'd like to see more of? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're having these open conversations and this is when it's a good time to express your needs because you're not in the middle of a fight. This is coming from a good place. It's literally just learning more about each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, quarterly couple retreats, it's important to, and you don't have to go away someplace fancy at all. It just, you can even stay at home, but dedicate a weekend every, you know, every quarter to really re-engage, reconnect, have fun and check in. So, you know, minus your phones and all technology, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you can, go away somewhere and just hang out, have fun, relive some of the memories from earlier on when you met, you know, revisit and have those conversations. Hey, remember when we met this? Remember the first time we did that? Mm -hmm. Right? That's really helpful as well to keep that connection going. Finally, yeah, leave with generosity. Give your partner the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important because over time, you know, you can, you can, Instead of if your partner is comes home and is a bad mood and takes it out on you, it's so easy to be like, "What's the matter with you? Why are you in a bad mood?" You know, kind of reacting that way. Right. Um, give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a reason you're with them. There's a reason you chose them. Right. Yes. Always come back to the positive traits within your partner that you like. Remind yourself of that. Make that list, especially when you're going through a tough phase, because every relationship will go with ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So when you're going through a challenging time, which everybody will. You want to refer back to those characteristics and those things that you really, um, you know, honor in your, in your partner and cherish mm-hmm. and remember those things. Be with a heart of generosity and give your partner the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, if something's upsetting him, he's in a bad mood, he'd be like, hey, you seem off today. Is everything okay? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's helpful to really co-regulate each other, which means really to be in tune with the other's needs as well as yours and be able to bring that back to center mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and sometimes the partner takes the lead on that and sometimes you take the lead on that because you're not always going to be in sync right? right and so those are some of the things that would be helpful in uh, sustaining a relationship I love that not only did you give dating tips for someone who's just looking for love and looking to start dating but you gave amazing tips on how to sustain a relationship and you know keep that a big priority and and how to do it the right way. And I I love that the overall pattern that I saw is, you know, communication with your partner and, and Mm -hmm. just having their feelings in mind is, is, is a huge thing with that. You know, what are some things that you're currently yourself um, reading or listening to? Sure. Sure. So I, I'm a, I love books. Mm-hmm. I try to read 30 to 40 books a year. And, and let wow. me tell you, I have a life. So <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> big. I mean, are you, do you like the physical books or are you an audible person? Oh, I'm a hardcover. I know. You know what? It's a little bit of a problem though, because in New York City, you know, we don't have tons of space. Mm-hmm. So I have ta- stacks and stacks of books, hardcover books that I order, which really I consider to be a luxury. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 
finding nook and nook and crannies to kind of store them yeah. all, but I think at some point we have to convert to a Kindle or something more yeah. modern. I, I do see a lot of New Yorkers with their books on the subways everywhere. I'm I'm an audible person, but please uh, do share some of these amazing books yeah. you're reading. So I've read a lot, but I would say for those who are interested in learning a little bit more about relationship success mm-hmm. and kind of how you're primed, mm-hmm. which means how you think about the world and see the world based on your formative experiences, I would suggest The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it one. Yeah, yeah, it's an easy read. And it basically talks about, and it's a good thing to do with your partner if they're willing to or open to doing this with you as well. But you don't need to. Mm-hmm. You can do it by yourself. Okay. Um, everyone has five top languages and one or two primary ones that drive everything. And so it's helpful to figure out what yours Mm -hmm. is. It's helpful to figure out what theirs Mm -hmm. is because the things that our partner can do out of love and we wouldn't actually receive it as that, right? Because we we expect something different, right? right? So that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Another book that I really, really like is the book called Attached by Dr. Amir Levine. Okay. it's a crash course on uh, attachment theory and how our form of experiences with our primary caregivers continue to dictate our intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. And no, it's not, it's not written in psychological memo jumbo, mm-hmm. uh, although he's a pretty well-known psychologist. Yeah. I it's really, what it says is based on what we received from our primary caregivers and the love, we interpret that to how we should receive love in our intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of unpacks that and helps you to understand why is it that you keep going after the same people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so that book completely changed my life when I read it many years ago. Um, Another book that I really recommend is State of Affairs Mm -hmm. by Esther Perel. She's wonderful. She's a renowned um, psychologist. Mm -hmm. I think many people know of her. She's written many books. This book is particularly interesting. It's on why people stray and cheat in relationships Mm -hmm. as well. So. Those are some of the books I recommend. I'd say with podcasts, I mean, I'm a podcast junkie too. Most of mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I don't listen to all relationship-related podcasts because it is, it is what I do. So sometimes I need something a little bit different. But some of the things I really recommend, um, Ready, Set, Love is a podcast by John Howard. Okay. A psychologist and a coach, a marriage kind of driven therapist um, based, I believe, in Austin, Texas. And he has a podcast. and he brings in experts and delves into in a practical way what's common relationship challenges that people experience and practical steps to overcome them and what you can implement. And I really like his book because I believe he's a Buddhist and trained trained as a Buddhist a monk as well mm. at some point. Okay. So he's a, he has a very Zen right. um, doing That's things, the word I, I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And then... Finally, you know, every I think everyone pretty much knows Brene Brown at this point. Um, there's a wonderful talk, um, the TED Talk called Vulnerability. Just Google Brene Brown okay. and Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also has a recent, I believe it's a Netflix special. I don't remember the recall, but it really talks about the importance of, she's not focused specifically on intimate relationships, but every work that she does actually um is very impactful in every realm of every type of relationship. And she specifically talks a lot about the need to be vulnerable, mm. right? To really show our authentic selves yeah. without the mask, without the, the layers mm-hmm. and how that's so important to building trust and connections. Yes. And so I would highly recommend, she, I think she has a huge social media 
presence on um, Instagram as well. So follow her and uh, definitely gonna and check her out. Yeah, I would. Yeah, her TED Talk is really really good. And um, you know, finally, I have blogs on my website. Yes. I've uh, wrote. I wrote a blog pretty much every week for a whole year, one year. Wow, and that is commitment. It was a huge commitment. And I, I, this was a goal I set for myself and I didn't want to let myself down. I did it. So after I did that year, I said, you know what? I can't write any more mm-hmm. blogs for a while. No, I mean, that's enough content to last and, you know, go through the realms of Google's SEO forever. Really? I enjoyed the exercise. It was a little bit daunting at times, but, mm-hmm. um, but there's, you know, I talk about everything from first dates to figuring out how you, what your must-haves, nice-to-have, deal-breakers are, to how to actually navigate a conflict in a relationship, how to move your relationship forward from engagement to marriage, mm-hmm. how to know, you know, if you need to stay with somebody, if you want to break up. Yeah. I mean, there's a wealth of knowledge. Challenge. Yeah, every, every challenge that most of us um, deal with at some point in our relationship, I think uh, a lot of my blog covers that as well. So, okay. so where can people find you then is the question, Eunice, where if someone wants to connect with you, wants to know more about your services, and, you know, would, would love to continue this, I feel, relationship we built of guidance today with you, where can they go? <laughs> I'm always happy to share. And uh, thank you for asking. Yeah. So my only social media presence is my Instagram mm-hmm. and the handle is art of dating NYC. Mm-hmm. That's all in one word. Okay. And I do post something every day and that's mm-hmm. almost every, you know, every day. And, um, I try to make, I try to really, uh, push up posts that are real and practical. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I, that's free information you can get as well. Also, if you want to know, learn more about my services and the work that I'm doing, you can visit my website, which is www.artofdatingnyc.com. Mm-hmm. And then there are different tabs, and you can um, you can click on the tab to learn a little bit more about me. And you know, for anyone who has questions, feel free to email me directly at Eunice at artofdatingnyc.com. I love that. Eunice, thank you for sharing your email and for being as transparent and informative as you were today with so many amazing tips that I'm sure people will benefit from. I thank you so much, Eunice, for your time. We will talk soon. Thank you. Okay, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for tuning in to Gossipista. Your support means the world. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Can't wait till next week's episode? Follow along on Instagram at Gossipista to get my latest New York happenings. But if you live and breathe New York City like I do and want even more, go to our website at Gossipista.com, explore, and subscribe to our newsletter to get insider tips first. Lastly, if you have any questions and or scoop on the city, you can email me at gossipnista at gmail.com. Until next time, you know you love me. XOXO, Gossipnista.